Hi, this is Jeff Kinley. Did you know that you have a spiritual bank account, a savings account waiting for you in heaven? That's right. And today on the Venice Truth Podcast, I'm going to tell you how to make deposits in that account. Stay tuned. It's time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Ah, yes, it's a Monday. I hope you're glad that it's Monday because it gives you an opportunity to reboot and start the new week and to start strong. And that's why we're giving you this Vintage Truth Podcast to give you strength in your spiritual life, in your life, to help you with things that, that really do matter in life. And today we're talking about a spiritual bank account or a heavenly bank account. You know, most of us have bank accounts, right? We don't hide cash under the mattress anymore or, you know, put it in the, in the refrigerator or whatever. I mean, we have, we have banks, right? And we, we send money, make deposits into these bank accounts. We make withdrawals when we swipe our debit card or use our cash app on our phone or whatever. But did you know that the Bible tells us that there is a spiritual bank account in heaven for us. In other words, that we are storing up credits in heaven for something that's going to happen one day to every single Christian. There's going to be a withdrawal day for every single Christian. I want to tell you about that today on the Vintage Truth Podcast. You know, the book of Philippians, when Paul wrote that that great little book, it was actually a thank you letter because the Philippians had supported Paul's itinerant ministry. You know, you think about it. Paul didn't have a church. He didn't have people coming to him every every week and, you know, putting money in an offering plate or in a box in the back of the room or whatever. I mean, Paul was dependent uh, partially upon the gifts of others, and uh, he also did some tent making on his own. But he was one of these guys who um, who had, uh, I guess, in modern days would be like a nonprofit ministry, like like my ministry. And in order for him to get to point from point A to point B, then believers had to, uh, to invest in him, to invest in his ministry because they believed in what he was doing. And primarily it was because they had benefited from his ministry, from his teaching ministry, from his apostolic ministry, uh, from his traveling ministry, uh, and then eventually from the letters that, that, he, would, that he would write. But, but at this point, they had just benefited from Paul's uh, teaching or discipleship ministry. And so the church that he had formed and the people that he had ministered to all around Asia Minor would then uh, support him. And in Philippians chapter 4, there's a very interesting passage here. He says in verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked the opportunity. In other words, they lacked the opportunity to give and to support him, but now they, they had made good on that. On that promise, he said, now look, don't get me wrong. Verse 11, he says, I'm not speaking from want or from having, from lacking things. He said, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I mean, sometimes I'm, you know, Paul's like I'm sitting down at a meal uh, in in a believer's house or somewhere in the city and there's a meal provided for me. There's a fire over there in the fireplace and, you know, everything's good. Other times, as we see in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, Paul is, he's floating on a log out, out in the sea, or he's naked, or he's just been beat, you know, so he says, hey, there, there are times when I have 
and there are times when I don't have. I understand. He says, I've learned through my relationship with God to hang in there, to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. He says, I know how to get along in verse 12 with humble means when, when I don't have very much. And also, I know how to live in prosperity. In other words, I don't go buck wild when I, when I get uh, provision. I know how to manage that. He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. You know, in today's Western Christian climate, and especially in America, we don't have a concept for ministers or for ministries going hungry. We think about, oh, that just happens over in India. That, that happens over in Africa. That happens over in Pakistan, right? And we have great compassion for believers over there. Uh, I have a good friend who has, had a, has a ministry in Pakistan, and uh, she has this wonderful ministry where she feeds people as a means to help tell them about Jesus Christ. But, you know, we don't think about that in America. And, uh, and yet there are ministries in America that are suffering today. There are churches that are suffering. Do you know why? Because a, a very small percentage of Christians support ministries financially. And right now, according to statistics, giving is down. In other words, we're finding many other ways to spend our hard-earned money other than supporting the ministry of the gospel, of the preaching of the word of God, of discipleship. And obviously, those are the kinds of things that we want to support. But Paul said, hey, no, sometimes I've got a full belly and sometimes I've got an empty belly. Sometimes I go hungry. And there are ministries today that are going hungry. They're not being able to move forward because they have no supply from believers because they're, they're either spending it on themselves or they just haven't really thought through the fact that money is the fuel that powers the engine of ministry today for the most part not saying you can't do ministry without uh, without money we we planted a church and for 10 years we did ministry on a zero budget I'm talking zero budget and yet we did effective ministry I ran a youth ministry out of my home for eight years on zero budget and and as people donated as people supported our ministry and some did very faithfully we were able to do ministry but we were very frugal with that, And that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's not asking for a, a private jet or a helicopter. He's not asking for, you know, gold or silver. He's not asking for luxury. He's just asking, hey, could you put enough gas in this ministry so that it can get to the next point? And that is in the context where we find verse 13. Now watch this. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Do you see the context there? It's, it's not about getting through finals. The context of that passage is, is not about just, oh, I need to overcome a hard day at work. You know, I can do all things or, you know, the house caught on fire. I can do all things. You know, he's, he's not talking about it. He's talking about context of ministry, the context of struggling in ministry when he doesn't have the resources to do ministry. That's the context of that. So let me ask you a question. When is the last time you've applied that verse to your ministry efforts, to the fact that you are attempting to be a, a source of, of light 
to a dark world and you're struggling in that and you're saying, God, I can do this. I can do this. Even though I don't have the, the, the resources, I can do this through the power of your Holy Spirit. He says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And that's what God does. He strengthens ministers and he strengthens those who are called to his work and to, to Christians who are called to be salt and light out in the world. He strengthens us when we don't have the, the circumstances and the supplies that we really need. He says, nevertheless, verse 14, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. And you yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. You see, this is, this is real in Scripture. And Paul wanted them to know that, hey, sometimes people that, well, somebody else will give. You know, you hear about people's needs, ministry's needs. You always say someone else is going to do it. If you hear about it, that's God's way of saying it's, it's your responsibility to pray about it. And to see if God would have you participate. What if the Philippians had said, Ah, Thessalonica's got him. Ah, Ephesus, they got him taken care of. Colossae, I know those people over there. They got they got money. Oh man, the Colossae, they got some money over there. They'll do it. But us, what about us? No, I you know, we don't we don't need to do that. But they didn't. They said, Hey, we're not hey, we can't can't depend on other Christians to do this. If I'm in in the earshot of hearing about this need, I at least need to pray about what I'm going to do about it. I heard of a need this week. Someone approached me, you know, uh, having been in ministry for, uh, for 35, eight, six years, whatever there, I've got a lot of people out there that I've ministered to. And a lot of times those people will then go into ministry themselves and I'll get, um, I'll, I'll get communication from people who say, Hey Jeff, I'm, I'm doing this missions trip. I'm doing this ministry. You know, can, can you guys help? And occasionally we can, Sometimes we can't. Sometimes we can't because we are helping other ministries or, or helping our own ministry. And other times we can't do it because there's just nothing there. We, we can't, our ministry can't help another ministry. Or we personally can't help another ministry. But that's not what the Philippians did. You know, these believers in the first century were not typically wealthy believers. But they came together. And it, it's like, like building a house. Everybody brought a brick, you know. And if enough people bring a brick, the house gets built. So I want to begin just by encouraging you in your life to, if you're committed to a church that is preaching the word of God and making disciples, okay, then you need to give. And that amount is determined by you. We won't get into that today. Paul just says, let each man be convinced in his own mind. You give according to how God has blessed you. That that's it's not a ten percent, it's not twenty percent. You decide what you want to give, but you should support. And you, you know your gift. He's going, oh, gosh, I can only give X amount. Well, see, that's irrelevant. And and the point that it's irrelevant because you say, okay, here's a five thousand dollar need. And you go, well, I can only give fifty dollars or twenty dollars. You go, well, so so it's really not making a big dent. But imagine if all believers had that mindset, then the need would not get met. But if 100 believers had that mindset, 
had didn't have that mindset, then they would give that $50 and guess what? Boom, you know, the needs met. So he's not talking about the amount. He's talking about the bank account that you are literally sending that money on to heaven as it were. I'll explain it. In fact, Paul explains it the very next verse. He says, guy, hey, listen, I don't seek the gift itself. Paul says the money, you know, is important, but there's something more important than the money. So what could that be? What could be more important than me giving you money, Paul, for your ministry and it meeting a certain need? This is a this is a perspective that we need today in the church. And particularly with a lot of younger believers, and I don't mean just younger believers in the faith, I mean younger in age believers. I'm talking about college students and, and millennials and people in their 20s and 30s who really don't have a concept of how incredibly spiritual giving is. And Paul says in this verse, he says, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek it for the profit that increases to your account. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you, Paul, are you a prosperity gospel preacher? Are you simply saying, if you give my money ministry, God will bless you. And I'll send you this prayer cloth and I'll send you some oil and I'll send you an eight by 10 glossy of, of me, Paul, and it'll be signed. And those things, those tangible objects will, get, will bring blessing to your life. No, that's not what he's saying. Paul is not saying, if you give to me, then you'll get blessed right now. See, the whole health and wealth prosperity gospel preachers have perverted and dare I say bastardized this concept, this scriptural concept of putting spiritual blessing in your future heavenly bank account. And they've said, no, no, you can get it right now. You know why they say that? And they're not stupid. They say that because they know what human nature is like. They know that, that we as humans do not, we don't care for delayed gratification. We're not really good at delayed gratification. We don't like to wait for things. We don't like to wait for our meals at a restaurant. We don't like to, we stand and tap our toes in front of the microwave going, hurry up. You know, we want it now. And some of these preachers out there that get on television or on radio and just constantly beg for money. And then you look at their life and you go, wait, this guy's rich. He's got a jet. <laughs> these people are, are traveling with armed bodyguards. They have an entourage that travels with them. You say, you know, how does that work? Well, they've taken this concept and they've made it applicable to right now. So God will bless you financially. He'll bless you with your health. If you just give money, what Paul is saying is that there is a future account for us. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You've put money into a bank account. You maybe have a savings account or a trust fund or, or something that you've, you've put money into. And you know you're not going to touch it. You're not going to touch it until the day that you retire or the day that your kid goes off to college and you're able to, you know, you need to come up with some cash or whatever. That's what he's talking about here. He says, I'm not, I'm not just looking for you to bless me. I'm looking for you to get blessed by God when you get to heaven because you participated in my ministry. And that's exactly what these guys had done. In fact, he says over in uh, chapter one, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. You see, people that invest in your life, 
you don't forget them. You know, people that whose lives I've invested in, who are very grateful for what I've done, they tell me that many times. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they do. I feel that way about people who've invested in my life. I say thank you. I'm, I have an attitude of gratefulness. And Paul was grateful for them. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. He says, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Now, here's why he does that. Watch this. He says, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. In other words, the first time I showed up, you ponied up. The first time that I arrived there in, in Philippi, you guys were ready. I mean, after you came to Christ and, and you understood the importance of spreading the gospel and the word of God, and the message of Jesus across the world, and you couldn't wait to reach in your bag and pull out some coins. You know why? Because you wanted the work to go on. And you knew that, that that offering that you gave to my ministry, Paul says, was putting gas in the jalopy, putting gas in the car so that I could get on down the road to the next city so that I wouldn't starve as I'm going from place to place. They're very practical. You know, people have this idea that when you give money to a ministry that magically it turns into something else. And, and yeah, sometimes ministries will take that money and specifically purchase Bibles or whatever. But for the most part, it's, it's contributing to the ministry so that the ministry can continue to do what the ministry does. So let's just say you, you support a ministry uh, in India that feeds homeless people. Well, guess what that money does? I hope that money goes to buying food for people who are hungry. That's what you gave the money for. Well, that's probably what happens. So if you support a gospel preaching ministry, then you support whatever it takes to enable that person to open their mouth and go to the next village, go to the next town, go to the next country and open the Bible and teach it to them. That, that's what you do. And sometimes those are very ordinary things. Those buy things like, like plane tickets and food in an airport. Or if you're in a church context, guess what it does? It turns the lights on in the building so that you're not worshiping in the dark. Have you ever wondered that? How do these lights get on? Does does the energy company just say, you know, you guys are a great little congregation here. We like you. So we're going to just switch on this giant wattage lever down at the power plant. And we're just going to pump energy and lights into this building. Ah, this one's on us. That's not how it works. The church has an electric bill. The reason you're not freezing in the church in the winter is because someone gave money so that you could pay the heating bill. So it pays for natural things like that. It pays for the lights. It pays for the, the, the chairs you're sitting on, the carpet. It pays for the sound system up there so you can hear the guy who's speaking. It pays for the toilet paper in the bathroom. It pays for the guy that, that mows the yard at the church. It pays for the paint. It pays for the nursery and the toys. It pays for the furniture that's in there for the kids. It pays for things in the youth. It's, it's not magical money, but, but you need to understand this. Even when you are purchasing and, and giving money towards some of these quote unquote ordinary and mundane things, you know what happens? There's a spiritual element to it in two ways real quickly, because a, you're worshiping God through your giving. That's number one. And B, 
God is sending that on to credit to your heavenly account. And you're building up equity in heaven. Because the Bible says there's coming a day when you are going to be rewarded for everything you did for me, including how you gave. You say, how does that work? What am I going to get for this investment I'm making? I'll tell you that on Friday as we continue this short little series on the Vintage Truth Podcast. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.